Welcome to the Final Score Network and the Final Score Podcast, presented by Team Anders Realtors. I'm Andy. He's soon to be former D3 student athlete and co-host. Giant jam, two-hand monster flush off the inbound. Brian Gam Slam Jam. Find us on Podbean, the Apple Podcast Store, Spotify, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at the Final Score Thirty Five. Plenty of topics to run through this week, but before we get to it, a word from our presenting sponsor. Service from the heart to become your Realtors for Real Life is Team Anders Realtors' mission. Team Anders serves its clients in finding the home that best fits their needs and makes the process simple and fun along the way. Team Anders is a team of people who will be in close communication with you, personally taking care of your real estate needs through technology, marketing, and advertising. Team Anders has served thousands of clients over 30 plus years in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area and are here to serve you today. Learn more at teamanders.com. Wow. What more can you say than wow? If I was any fan of Dickie V, this would be an intro filled with Dickie V-isms, but I'll just stick with wow. For the First for the second semifinal on Saturday, then for last night's performance by the Bears, but more on that later. Just wow. Let's dive right in, shall we? Time to go to the podium. Ryan, the lectern is yours. Yeah, I'll keep it short and sweet here, but uh, this week I'm just going to say thank you to March Madness and the NCAA for putting this on because we need this um, as basketball fans, as sports fans, as a, as a nation because last year we obviously didn't get it because of COVID and the tournament lived up to its hype and billing. I mean, it was a great one overall. I mean, upset filled. Talked about that last week, how many different lower seeds advanced and won and were just different teams won than we really would have thought. Um, then we got the matchup we wanted. The national championship obviously wasn't as close um, as we had wanted and anticipated, but it was the matchup we dreamed of uh, since the beginning. The two best teams all year long uh, for the most part. And uh, they're just great finishes in this tournament, great players as well. I'm just so happy that um, that it was so good. But I'm sad it's over. Uh, i got to wait what, six, seven months now for, for college ball. Look forward to college uh, football in the fall now. But, um, you know, it's just great tournament overall. Very happy with it. Um, I was impressed. It really was. Yeah, we could definitely pin a love letter to March Madness because there just is nothing, nothing like it. All right, my take. Yeah, in a minute here, you'll see that there's no real surprise in, in a direction that I'm going to go. But um, just a reminder, last week it was about the CFP having eons to go to catch up to March Madness. But what about pro sports? You know, we're not, we've kind of self-avowed, we're not huge sports fans here, probably NFL first. And then, you know, if the Red Wings are good, we'd care more about the NHL, NBA, eh, Major League Baseball, please. Um, the NFL, playoff tournament-wise, obviously it's good as is, especially if maybe they stick with the seven or maybe even make it eight teams in per conference. I just think it keeps it interesting. You don't want to water it down too much. But um, but for baseball, basketball, and hockey, it has to start with cutting back the amount of regular season games. Here's an example of how using baseball. Uh, maybe I'll look at the N- NBA and NHL down the road, but for now, uh, see if you can stick with me on this. I just dreamt this up yesterday, maybe because somebody else has written about it at some point in time. But baseball season is 162 games. Cue the boring, I mean, like majorly boring. Probably almost half those games really don't even matter. You watch them because there's nothing else on TV. Um, and 
many don't matter. Like I said, and if your team is out of it come September 1st, you're on to the next thing, which people are anyway because it's NFL season at that point. I say cut the season down to 132 games. Don't start on April 1st, start mid-April, maybe even May 1st. End it on August 31st. Be a true summer sport. And then make it a play-in tournament instead of the way they currently do the playoffs. So I'm okay with a little bit of the one-game you know, wild-card stuff, and, and that kind of plays into this. But here's how I look at it. The dead last-place team is out, period. There's 30 teams. Knock those two teams out. But maybe what they could do to keep playing is rotate in some exhibition games to keep the top seeds fresh. You'll see why in a second. Give the top two teams in the AL and the NL a bye um, all the way to series play. Seed a tournament with all the other teams. The 9 through 14 seeds play one game sudden death series. 9 versus 14, 10 versus 13, so on. Winners move on to play 6 versus 8. So they have 6 versus 8 as a first round bye. And then so on. Once you get to the top two seeds, so you've got four teams left, those are five-game series. The AL and L, CS, um, CSs, I guess, if you will, are classic seven-game series. The worst teams would have to win something like 14 games to make the World Series. The best teams would only have to win probably eight to make it. Play the single and five-game series in a central location. Maybe the parks of the one and two seeds. I don't know. It's a lot, but something has to change. I dreamt this up last night, scribbled down on a piece of paper. Come September, people have moved on to college and pro football anyway. Why not shake it up and allow all but the very worst to have a shot? I mean, if you look at it, golf kind of made that move by ending their season before Labor Day. Um, they used to go well into really September, and they found that TV ratings were worse. I know your baseball fans, your diehards are going to stick with it. They're going to watch it through thick and thin. But there have been years when it gets over at the end of October, and that's just it's ridiculous. Why fight against the other things? By that time, hockey and basketball are starting back up. Shorten the season. Make it more interesting. Give everybody a skin in the game. You'll put a shot in the arm of the game of baseball, which it's sorely in need. And we'll get to another reason why here in a second. Um, moving on to our tee-up of the week. Ryan's going to tell you who and what, and I will tell you why. Well, if you thought that was a nice warm take, this one's going to be a little hotter here. Uh, we're going to tee up the MLB, and uh, Andy is going to tell you why. Yeah, I'm not going to tee him up for their season being too long. We know that. I mean, even when I was a kid, it's just it's just too long. Games are four hours. I mean, whatever. But that's not where we're teeing up. We're teeing up Major League Baseball because you're going to move the All-Star game and your biggest suitors are states that have bigger voting restrictions than Georgia. The legislation changes the rules and processes for requesting an absentee ballot, including requiring voters to present valid forms of ID. You seriously have a problem with that? Making sure people have ID with all the rampant claims of voter fraud and even some cases proof of voter fraud that went on? You have a problem with that. If it's over... Less drop boxes and a shorter early voting period for runoffs. I mean, I guess that's something that the government could address to give people more time to vote. But in no way, shape, or form should a league, let alone Major League Baseball, be taking a political stance. A lot of people will probably disagree with me, but I will say till the cows come home, sports is supposed to be apolitical, especially at the league level. If you want players to kind of take sides, okay, I get that. That's personal. But for the league to take sides, I ain't in it for that. Your game is struggling enough, and now you're jumping on the cancel culture bandwagon? Screw you. MLB, get the you-know-what out with that. You're teed up maybe for the entire season. All right, let's get a little bit calmed down now and go around the, go around the world. 
Let's hit spot number one. Of course, we've got to go to Final Four and Natty Review. Um, you know, Ryan was that Gonzaga UCLA game, the best ever. You know, rank it versus the best ever, maybe two. In in, in addition to talking about uh, Final Four and the Natty. Yeah, I'll just start off with the first uh, national semifinal game uh, on Saturday. Baylor Houston. Uh, that one was never close. I mean, Baylor was hot from the get-go, jumped on them early and never really looked back. Um, you know, Houston was a good team all year long. Uh, Tough-nosed, defensive-minded, offensive rebounding team, but stood no chance against Baylor and how well they've been playing um, through this tournament. Obviously, won the national championship, but talk about that in a minute. But no no real chance there for Houston. Uh, Baylor blew them out. That was a crazy game for them, for Baylor. I mean, just shot it well. Did what they've done all tournament, so I guess no surprise. But yeah, like you said, UCLA Gonzaga. I mean, this one, this was one of the better games I think I've seen in my 21 plus years of life. I mean, wow, that was back and forth. And UCLA played, I think, honestly, the best they could have. I mean, they slowed down the tempo at times, but I mean, they scored a lot. They scored 90 points. I mean, that's crazy uh, after scoring 51 against Michigan in the Elite Eight uh, last week. Uh, they had their chances in this game. Um, shout out to Johnny Juzang for absolutely balling out all tournament long. I mean, dude had to have been shooting 70% from the field. I mean, he was hitting everything. Clutch shots, putting it on the deck, hitting threes. I mean, everything. Crazy, crazy awesome game by him, uh, as well as Haquez and Tiger Campbell. Um, and then Cody Riley stepped up in key moments as well. I mean, UCLA credit to them. They're going to be a good team next year. They should return all those guys. Um, so could be really good next year again. Uh, make a run there. Probably preseason top five, honestly. Uh, way too early. But, yeah. Um, Timmy was a beast. Uh, mustache man. Um, played really well. Uh, Kisper was MIA in the national semifinal as well as the championship. Uh, didn't live up to his All-America billing. Um, he had a few key shots here and there, but nothing really crazy uh, up to what he'd been doing all year. Uh, and then Suggs um, makes one of the best shots I think I've ever seen um, and one of the greatest shots and most clutch shots in the history of college basketball. Uh, glassed it in there. Uh, probably knew it was good as soon as it left his hand. Jumped on the table. Calm celebration. Tears in his eyes. I mean, wow. That's that's what March Madness is all about. Uh, the, the last second shot and coming down to the wire there, which is great. Um, moving on to the championship. Uh, Baylor goes wire to wire and just absolutely dismantles the team that everyone thought uh, would win it all. A uh, team that I picked against because I t- said that going undefeated is not easy and that's why it hasn't been done in 45 years. And that streak continues for IU uh, dating back to 76. So congrats to the Hoosiers there. Small win for you, um, even though you're not winning anywhere else really right now. But uh, Baylor, just a three-headed monster of Butler, Teague, and Mitchell. I mean, I've never seen three guys that play that hard offensively and defensively and wow they're fun to watch Mitchell is one of the best defenders I think I've ever seen I think I said that last week but wow so impressive Butler oh man just great Teague as well uh Flagler off the bench great um even their bigs get into you I mean the two of them fouled out because they're just so they're in your grill at the so three-point aggressive. line they play so hard I mean you see them flying around and yeah, they make mistakes, but not many. And they're just, they just love playing with one another, love playing for Coach Drew. Congrats to him. Uh, I was really, it was really cool to see how Jalen Suggs left it all out there for Gonzaga. You could totally see the emotion out of him. I mean, he left out there. He's the only one that really 
frankly played worth a you know what in that game. Uh, Timmy didn't show up. Kisford didn't really show up. So it was basically the sug show. But yeah, just a great ending to the year. I mean, obviously we wanted it closer, but Baylor just dominated and showed the college basketball world that they were the best team this year. Um, I think if there's a 10-game series, honestly, with the way Baylor dominated them, I think they would win more than uh, Gonzaga would. So um, yeah, just what what a freaking tournament. So glad um, that we got to experience that, witness that. Yeah, you know, speaking of flying around, um, one of our past podcast guests and former Michigan State Spartan player Steve Polonowski sent our group text today a, a video of it's the little plays that get it done, and it was a sequence in the second half where I don't remember who it was, one of the guards leapt out of bounds to save the ball. Gonzaga ended up getting it, but he his momentum carried him all the way behind the Gonzaga bench, and he managed to sprint all the way back to the other side and on a closeout, forcing a guy to kind of short arm his shot a little bit and, and miss it at kind of a key juncture in the game. I mean, there weren't a whole lot of key junctures in that final game, but um, just super impressed. You know, I think the thing is, is, you know, when we start with Gonzaga-UCLA, um, I'll admit I didn't really watch. We were having a nice dinner at Ruth's Chris. Shout out to Ruth's Chris. Uh, so to celebrate a lot of 2020 stuff that didn't happen, so we just kind of had it going on the phone. Um, was a little surprised Baylor took it to Houston that much, but um, not after what I saw, um, you know, in, on full display uh, last night in the championship game. But you know that Gonzaga UCLA game. That's a game that should be talked about forever. Um, you know, just in so many ways, was it cool? Um, and I'm just going to kind of bounce around with it. But you know, first of all, UCLA and their run to the Final Four and and, made, and so close to the championship game reminded me of the 2000 Michigan State Spartans' ability to go slow and then speed it up. The way they played a absolute meat grinder with Wisconsin in the semi, and then everybody you know, said, oh, Florida's going to blow them out of the water, even though they're a five seed because they run and Michigan State likes to plot. And then Michigan State just used Andre Hudson to break Florida's neck on the press. And if not for a Teddy Dupay cheap shot, leg whip, undercut, a la, you know, our one of our favorite more recent players from Duke, um, you know, Michigan State might have won that game by 20. So, uh, you know, but that's what I would compare UCLA's run to. I mean, they were an 11 seed for a reason, but man, they were not an 11 seed. And I've never seen it. So as much as Gonzaga scores at the rim, UCLA scores in the mid-range. You know, we talked about that mid-range a few weeks ago, and then, you know, Ryan promptly went off and won his second to last game with the mid-range. Um, Juzang was just dialed in. And even Riley, big fella coming off, you know, screens out there and just popping and hitting 16, 17 footers. I mean, they were super impressive. Their ability to to grind it with Michigan, like I said, Michigan State did way back when with Wisconsin, but then go fast with, with Gonzaga was special. Um, you know, one thing that struck me was, you know, what McCronin said after the game, you know, that his team, he told them that they were winners because as long as you leave it all at the line and you played great, then you're a winner. Really love that. I mean, obviously, UCLA is a huge championship culture. Um, you know, there's not a whole lot you can say to kind of bring that back. You know, you're going to be shell-shocked with a with a loss like that. You know, we often debate in our house with mom and Rachel get involved in it, too, of is it better to just get blown out, kind of like Gonzaga did last night, or to lose at the buzzer? I guess I'd rather lose at the buzzer because it means I had a chance, but they, I just felt for those guys. But I love the attitude afterwards, um, the approach, I, and, and even – 
you know, some of the hugs and stuff from the Gonzaga guys to the UCLA guys. And, you know, Gonzaga was a classy team. And by the way, speaking of that ending, if the Sug shot didn't get you out of your chair like it did us um, or on your table like D. Wade, you need to be checked for a pulse. I mean, I, I you know, shots that come to mind that you could rank it up there with that I've seen in my lifetime would be, you know, uh, Wittenberg, um, you know, heave at the end in NC State Houston when NC State as an eight seed won the 82 championship. I mean, that was pretty remarkable just the way that all went down. Obviously, Duke, Kentucky, you know, Hilda Leitner will live on forever. It's just I remember watching that on the way back from freshman year spring break. And one of us jumped up and knocked a smoke alarm off the hotel ceiling because it was so crazy, even though we weren't really rooting for either team. Um, you know, UNC Villanova, the double clutch leg out wild three to tie it. And then Villanova runs the perfect play to Jenkins for the win. I mean, that maybe that still has a little bit of an edge on this just because that was for the national championship. But I mean, that game start to finish was legit. One of the best college basketball games I've ever watched. And I would be more than happy to watch it in full multiple times uh, for years to come. A couple of other notes that I had um, from just the Final Four and stuff. Cool stat of the day. Baylor has now won 34 straight games when making at least 10 threes. They made exactly 10 last night. I mean, what a team. They shoot it well. They hit the glass like there's a ransom out. And they play D like their life depends on it. And everybody, one through five. And to boot, they're likable. Um, the guys are having fun. Their head coach is humble. Um, you know, they play for each other. He's been there for 18 years. And if you don't know the story, go look it up. I mean, he came in when the previous coach got fired because he was kind of part of covering up one of his players, killing another player. I mean, just some of the insanity that went on and the long road to rebuild. And if you've never been to Waco, it's a cool little town, um, great little stadium, great little basketball arena, but it is in the middle of godforsaken nowhere. So the fact that they were only the second Texas team to ever win the Natty for the men's is pretty remarkable. The other one being Texas Western back in 1966. Um, you know, I think it's fair to call out the fact that Ryan had picked Baylor, and I think he had Mitchell as his MOP. It ended up being Butler, and then Vital with a, a you know playing a huge role. Well done, all three of those guys. Um, Mitchell, Butler, Vital, and, and the Bigs were just phenomenal in that game. Um, you know, looking back for myself, I said UCLA would keep it interesting for a bit, but the Zags will cover uh, the 14. Yeah, nope. Uh, but that's what makes it madness, right? I mean, UCLA and Gonzaga play a seven-game series. Gonzaga probably still pulls that out, you know, maybe four to two. Um, UCLA played pretty flawless. They had a great game plan. Good matchup for them. Um, but but still, you know, that's why we play the games. Um, you know, I also gave the podcasters curse by saying – a predicted Gonzaga-Butler matchup had a chance to be special. I mean, it was special because we've been two years removed from a natty. You know, it was the two best teams, like Ryan said, all year long. There was no question about that. Um, and it was special in its own ways, but as a game itself, it was kind of a dud. It reminded me of another Michigan State game. I kept texting my buddies last night, 2009 UNC-Michigan State. And, in fact, it was the second most first-half points scored I believe in a in a finals game behind that North Carolina 2019 that just went gangbusters on Michigan State and cruised to uh, that title back then. Um, but you know, even if last night's game wasn't great, we still and the Houston Baylor game wasn't great. We have that Zags UCLA game to cherish as fans. So 
well done, March Madness. You, you know, NCAA, you've got plenty of flaws, but one thing you can get is the tournament. All right, spot number two. Staying in college hoops, let's talk a little bit about the coaching moves. There's been a lot of stuff that's gone on. Um, I don't really have a motive here except for to just kind of maybe see where the dominoes may may fall since we've last talked. Hubert Davis, who Ryan predicted would probably be the UNC guy, um, landed the UNC job. You know, Moser to Oklahoma was really interesting to me, given what else was, you know, at least before that on the table. Um, Drew Valentine at 29, um, you know, brother to Denzel, you know, a Hall of Fame Michigan State player to succeed him there. Shaka to Marquette, I think that happened probably, you know, around the time or before our last podcast. And then Beard to Texas, that whole domino, you know, new assistant coach, you know, stepped in at Texas Tech. And then yesterday, Pfeiffer, you know, from Michigan State, Dane Fife, uh, goes back to his alma mater, IU. Uh, you know, I'm maybe thinking to be his heir apparent, Ryan. What do you? What's your take on kind of the coaching carousel and those bigger moves, anyway? Yeah, you know, I think it's been it's been interesting to kind of follow this. Um, like I said, I predicted Hubert to UNC. I think that was the right move for them to stay in house. Um, keep that keep that in there. He knows what it what it takes to win at UNC. I think that was a good move by them. Uh, one that was really surprising. I know it was a couple weeks ago, but Shaka to Marquette. I mean, weird stepping down from. Technically, a power five to it. I mean, I guess you could say that the Big East is power whatever six Ish, in, yeah. in basketball, but I'd say that's more of a downgrade, honestly. I think that Shaka kind of saw the writing on the wall that if he didn't win, he was kind of screwed. Uh, so that's where he left. Beard to Tech is really interesting, alma mater for him. Um, I think he can win big there, but there's a lot of pressure by donors at Texas, so that could be interesting. Um, uh, and it's going to play second fiddle to football, and <laughs> even the Texas Tech. AD said, that's all right. Even with Beard there, we'll still pack it with more Red Raiders fans yeah, than Longhorns fans. So, there, uh, by the yeah, it's a great hire by Texas. I get it. He's It's his alma mater. I, I, I totally get that move. I just, for, I don't know, I would have felt like him to IU or him somewhere else where basketball was king. Um, would have would have made more sense. I mean, we'll see. I think I think he'll do great there because his style is you know travels basically. Oh, absolutely. Plus, he'll be able to probably recruit a little bit better to Austin than Lubbock. If you've never been, I've never been to Lubbock, but understand it's in middle more of the middle of God forsaken nowhere than Waco. Yeah, and sure. and Austin's a, is a great great town with a lot of stuff going on. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I think in Texas Tech actually hired uh, promoted Mark Adams uh, assistant uh, to head coach. So. Stay in the little Chris Beard coaching tree there. Uh, move that I just now saw that I did not know. Uh, Utah State's Craig Smith was hired by Utah um, after Larry Chris Kowiak was fired uh, a couple weeks ago. And the new Utah State coach is former UMBC Retreat coach Ryan yeah. Odom. I uh, did not know that until now, so that's an interesting move there. Uh, but in Porter Moser, Oklahoma, interesting. Uh, mentioned him for the Indiana job. Um Surprised they did not go after him because obviously he was interested uh, jumping ship from uh, the Ramblers there to go down to Norman and coach the Sooners. Um, uh, taking over for Coach Kruger. Uh, Drew Valentine, awesome. Uh, young, turns 30 this year. I mean, that's great for him. Uh, stepping up in the college world, going from uh, grad assistant at MSU, assistant at Oakland, then assistant at uh, Loyola to head coach quickly, uh, climbing the ranks quickly. So definitely has a bright future ahead of him. Yeah, and you saw, if you watched Loyola at all this year, but in the tournament, 
I mean, Drew had his fingerprints all over that. He was he was the the main assistant that talked to guys. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to it. I kind of Ryan and I had kind of batted back and forth. Wouldn't it be great to see Drew come to Michigan State to take Dane's spot, and then of course he gets the job there. Um, you know, which then speaking of Fife to IU, that makes total sense to me. I mean, he obviously he was the youngest head coach at one point at now Purdue Fort Wayne. Then it was IUPU FW. Um, you know, so he got a 10 great years in a solid program, ran the guards, ran the offense, great recruiter, minus maybe Kithier and lawyer. Um, I, that makes total sense to me. And honestly, as soon as I heard that, my first statement to Ryan was, it's gotta be because he's the heir apparent. I mean, Woodson, we covered last week, he's 63. I mean, Fife is still really young. Um, that would be my guess is that he, he kind of ends up being the guy there and, and that could work out really well for him. So hats off to you, Dane. You were a great coach for us. We'll miss you. Um, I'm going to guess I'm kind of hearing a little bit of maybe, uh, David Thomas, who I think is video coordinator, maybe no, right now, director of, ops. director of ops. He was a video coordinator, coordinator at one point, you know, part of the 2000 national championship team been around. Excuse me, been around the program for a long time. I could see him. I could see Wojcik too, who was kind of a special consultant and a special assistant the last couple of years. Obviously, he was on Izzo's staff before. Then he left and went to Tulsa and a couple of other places. Um, you know, maybe they'll bring somebody in from the outside. Does he give Mark Montgomery a relook? You know, he was there for a long time before he left and, and took the Northern Illinois job. Now he's without. I don't know. It's a little harder to go back from head coach to assistant coach. Uh, I would imagine, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Agree, I think Hubert to UNC was the right move. I mean, obviously you you throw a lot of names out there. I guess the one puzzler there for me is Moser to Oklahoma. I really I really don't get unless there is a, a bigger master plan for Indiana, which maybe maybe through the smoke there kind of is. I don't get why you don't give him the full court press, and you know, hey, maybe they did, and he just said no. But why would you say no to IU and go to Oklahoma again? Your second fiddle. Uh, Oklahoma's a football school, first, foremost, second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever. I mean, they've been competitive over the years. I think he'll do a really good job there because he's a phenomenal coach. But um, was a little surprised. I mean, it's a step up from Loyola, but is it that much? I mean, better resources, better you know opportunities to get to the tournament all the time, I guess. But um, lots of interesting stuff on the coaching carousel. Always fun to kind of keep an eye on that. Spot number three, let's change direction. And we've talked a lot of college hoops. We've talked a little bit of baseball, good and bad. Um, Let's talk spring football. Ryan, anything you're hearing, noise from the Big Ten? I mean, it's kind of hard coming out of March Madness, but any feel for for spring? Do you care about spring football? Uh, You know, I've never been huge on spring football, but having this be the first full year, normal, hopefully normal year of uh, Mel Tucker, uh, a little more intrigued and interested uh, moving forward, I've uh, been paying attention to the Big Ten a little bit, uh, just transfers uh, coming out of different schools. But, yeah, just sticking with Michigan State, I mean, they. I think that Michigan State's on a, on a really nice trajectory right now. Love what I see out of them, uh, the competitiveness, what they're doing in the weight room and their conditioning programs from what I've seen is absolutely fantastic. Uh, rave reviews about Novak, uh, the new strength coach, um, in his second year here, uh, first full year for real. Um, but, yeah, I think Michigan State's looking good. Uh, use this as a time to kind of get that playbook in, um, you know, just see who has it, who doesn't. I think Tucker said that today in one of his press conferences. He said, like, if you if you're, you don't have it and you don't want to be with us, get out. 
um, which is great. Yeah, and we're seeing that with the amount of guys that left, but the amount of guys coming in. I mean, the yeah. upgrade in talent through the transfer portal has been pretty remarkable. Just, you know, even so far with the five, six guys that came in in January and then the slew that's coming in the summer. But I read a quote today from Peyton Thorne about, you know, how much he loves – Oh, shoot, help me out with his name, right? I'm forgetting off the top of my head. The Temple transfer at quarterback. Uh, Russo, yeah. Russo, yeah. Russo, How much yeah. he loves having him there because it just makes the quarterback room that much better and that much more competitive. That's what you want to hear, right? You don't want guys to say, oh, screw this. I'm not first string. I'm out of here. I want a team that runs a good, strong three deep. I mean, the, the teams in the South, they can, you know, withstand injuries at, at a couple levels, you know. And I think back to, you know, even really in, in some of D'Antonio's best days, first string excellent always second string pretty good maybe spotty like 67 percent coverage and then after that it was like oh boy let's hope somebody can step up and I really feel like Tucker's kind of taken that approach of I'm building a three deep I'm not afraid to go in and change uh, the trajectory of my talent he knows what he needs to do short term to win which I think is great you know that's the beauty of the transfer portal you don't have to kind of give a guy three to five years um, that's also the downfall is you don't have to give a guy three to five years and you have buyouts and all that other stuff. But um, I like what he's doing. I think it's going to be a game changer for him and his staff when you can actually visit players in house again. Cause I just think he's got um, a different factor about him than D'Antonio did. I think D'Antonio was a really good recruiter with an eye for recruiting. I think Tucker has maybe, you know, more, up-to-date way to connect with people and I'm looking forward to that I'm I'm otherwise not a huge spring football guy I read the stories from my boy Colton Pouncey on the athletic and you know follow around a little bit with what's going on um you know you can't really tell a whole lot from a green and white scrimmage or a you know blue and corn scrimmage or a scarlet and gray scrimmage um but I guess it's fun especially as we come off of March, the high of March Madness, and we need a little something to get us by because that doesn't last too much longer. And then we're just kind of minus minus golf fans like us. You're kind of in the doldrums for a little while. So um, it'll be interesting to follow spring football. We'll, we'll talk about that more in upcoming podcasts. Spot number four, we're going to change sports again. Ryan, let's go with uh, who you got for the Masters. What's your? Give me your foursome, which is kind of your three main contenders and a dark horse, and then give me your winner and a score. Yeah, super excited for the Masters this week. Uh, coming off March Madness, going right into the a tradition unlike any other. Um, get it? What this is five months apart from where it was before, so this is great. Uh, Azaleas in full bloom, course looking great. Uh, big names out there, aside from Tiger, obviously after the car crash. I uh, hope he's doing doing better. But I mean, star stud lineup as usual. Uh, three guys. Uh, that I really want to keep an eye on uh, going into this week are Dustin Johnson. Uh, I think he's playing some excellent golf. I mean, obviously won back in November. Uh, knows what it takes. Um, just off the charts with everything. Great golfer. He's improved in his in his practice and stuff lately, so that's been really good. Uh, Xander Schauffele, a guy that's finished tied for second and uh, 17th here in the last couple. Uh, he's, he's ready to break through and win that major. I mean, the kid is he's great. Uh, really consistent. He has beautiful swing. Love watching him. Um, fun to watch. And a guy that might come as a surprise, but he might be the hottest golfer in the world right now, is Jordan Spieth. Uh, first win this weekend in four years almost. I mean, after playing some great golf and kind of collapsing down the stretch here in the last couple of months, finally breaks through and gets that dub. 
uh, in at the Valero Texas Open uh, this weekend. So uh, he's looking great going to the Masters. So I'm going to go with those three. And then my dark horse is um, some might not view him as a dark horse, but because he's won it before. But Phil Mickelson, I mean, the, he's playing well right now. He knows what it takes to win in Augusta. I, I think he'd be the oldest winner, which would be crazy. Um, so I'm going to stick with those four as the foursome for me. And I think the winner is going to end up being Xander Schauffele. Uh Close one. Hopefully a playoff would be sweet. Uh, I'm going with 10 under par as the final score there. I'm hoping Schauffele because I got him like plus 5,500 on to a straight up winner on FanDuel. So uh, just don't worry, just a $5 bet. I didn't bet my uh, stimulus package or anything like that. Maybe if he wins, I'm going to wish I had. But, um, and then Phil, I, I like that take because first I'm a huge Phil fan, but I, you know, I think the Masters course, my, I mean, minus it's extremely hilly, so it's taxing from that standpoint, is a course where age doesn't matter as much. I mean, we saw it last year. Bernard Longer was, was right up in there. I think he was a top three finisher maybe even top five for sure i mean that dude's just tearing it up on the senior tour and has been forever and he's in his 60s so i mean i think if phil catches fire he knows that course in and out uh, in his short game I, I i like that pick i'd love to see it i'd I, uh, that'd be a great thing for me um but for me i've got you know you got to go with spieth he's been playing well for months now after really struggling with this game focusing on one thing refocusing on another just couldn't kind of put it together and then it's finally been coming close, coming close. And, hey, I mean, let's face it, winning, winning golf tournaments is really hard. So the fact that he just won one and has been, you know, in, in great contention so many times this year sets him up well. Obviously, he's got a history. Um, he's got a win there, and he's got an implosion at, at the Masters. So he's seen both sides. Um, second in my foursome is JT, Justin Thomas. Um, just love his game. He just feels made for that course, um, you know, I, I, he's probably one of my current favorites on tour. Um, you know, I'm going to go, some people might call him a dark horse, but I'm going to go t- Tony Finau. Um, you know, the way he played a few years ago with that dislocated ankle and he just, he's due, he's due for a win. He kind of chokes it away on Sundays, it seems in a lot of tournaments, but I don't know. He's another guy that just has performed well at that course. I think he's maybe ready for a breakthrough and Ryan had him in his main three, but I've got him as my dark horse and that's Shoffle. Um, I do like how he plays. I like his game. He's another one of those likable, you know, younger, upper 20s, you know, early 30s guy. Um, for my winner, I'm going with uh, JT at minus 12. So we shall see. Don't know what the – haven't looked ahead at the weather. Um, sometimes weather plays a factor, but um, it will be good to see some patrons there. There is just – I mean, and I love golf. Love to play it. Love to watch it. There is not a more beautiful course on earth, at least on TV, in my book. All right, spot number five. Uh, We'll go back to college basketball. Let's put a bow on the final four. And specifically, where does the 2021 tournament rank for you against all the tournaments you've been around or a fan for, Ryan? And does COVID add any asterisks for you? Yeah, you know, I think that uh, I don't think that the COVID adds any asterisks. I mean, this tournament, what like I said before, was unbelievable, um, and for me, it's ranked up there high uh, because of just the anticipation and just the great the great basketball that was played in the last three weeks. Uh, you know, obviously got a little chalky there with one seeds and two seeds, but I mean, for a lot a lot of the time, it was some really good upsets, high. Some high intensity basketball. I'm really happy with that. 
Um, you know, I'd say that I'd put in the top 25% that I've ever seen uh, my 21 years. So, uh, yeah, I don't really have much else. Yeah, and I would say for me, I'll start with definitely no asterisks. Um, you know, it was the two best teams played in the final, period. They were the number one and number two at the beginning of the season. You know, they had their COVID pauses. They were supposed to play in December. I'm kind of glad we didn't get that preview and rematch. I'm not a huge fan of rematches. I'd rather have seen it for the first time like we did last night. Um, who knows how a rematch would have gone had they played the first time. How, who knows how the first one would have gone, but... Just no asterisks. I mean, I know it wasn't completely even. Some teams played closer to 20 games. Some teams played 30. Some teams opted to, quote, have COVID and avoid three games in their schedule. <laughs> or name names. Um, you know, but that aside, thrilled that they got it through, especially with, you know, all the hype and, and BS surrounding it. And it feels like maybe this can help us understand that we can settle down. Um, I you know, at the end, I want to say it was at some point last night, maybe it was before the game or it was at the end and handshakes and stuff between the teams. Like, that's a great time to, like, let your mask down or in your post-game interviews, maybe not have a mask on anymore. I mean, it doesn't it doesn't matter. I get it. You could go still spread it. But, look, these teams are going to party like it's 1999. So, um, you know, but I agree. It was a special tournament. Um, you know, it was the most upset laden or one of the most upset laden tournaments uh, that I can remember. I can remember back to 1979 watching, you know, when Michigan State beat Indiana State. And really clearly then, probably from 82 on, I've I've keenly watched at least the Final Four. Um, you know, I think more than the fact, though, that it was upset laden is just that we didn't have it for a year. I mean, it was special because it was gone, right? It's like they always say, you never know how much you love something until it's gone. Well, we we realize it, that's for sure. I mean, I think we would have been all right if it was, you know, Alabama playing who knows who in the in the finals. It, it doesn't really, it wouldn't have mattered. It, just the excitement that was there, the fact that they were playing, you know, the fact that you could hear real fans not piped in stuff was great. You know, for me, I'll put it right up there for sure, I would say, just because of all these different factors. Uh, but I got to admit, nothing's as special as when your favorite team makes a deep run. Um, I was certainly vested in this because I just am a college basketball junkie. But, you know, this the second that the Spartans go out, uh, you know, overall, any tournament loses its luster. I think most people would admit that for their team, whether it's Michigan, whether it's Indiana, it doesn't really matter if your team doesn't make it, etc. Um, but that should take nothing away from this one. I definitely say for my lifetime, so, you know, 30-some years of watching them, you know, and having good memory of them, I'd say it's probably a top 10 for sure. Um, very rarely do we get to see one versus two in the finals, which is really sweet too. Um, maybe it can sneak up there closer to the top five, but phenomenal tournament. Again, we could pen a love letter to March Madness. Um, you know, probably my only disappointment was I always, always, I've been, I've watched every single One Shining moment since 1987 when it started. And this was an average one. Yeah, I think they try to, they almost try to cram too much in there. And I get that they've got a close edit time. They don't put a whole lot of highlights from the last night in there. But I think, I think they could, as many great moments as there are, they could probably take a little time to do a little less and it would make it a little bit more impactful. That's just my two cents, but um, still a great way to cap off the year. One shining moment. There's, you know, I made a senior banquet highlight reel to one shining moment for Ryan's high school senior year and still like to watch it just because, you know, matching all the highlights up to the music is always fun. So 
Um, thank you, March Madness. Uh, we will miss you, college basketball, but don't worry. We'll still talk about it quite a bit here over the next few months. All right, that said, let's, as always, end with a sprint. Ryan, one more from basketball. What's the best single play from the tournament? No doubt about it. The Suggs buzzer beater. All right, switching gears a little bit here. What's your favorite bet to make? Money line, spread, or over-under? Note, he can do this now because he's no longer <laughs> an incident uh, yeah, I, I like betting the money line uh, safe and straight-up win instead of banking on numbers. All right, if you could play Augusta one time, but then never play another round of golf again your entire life, do you do it? Uh, I couldn't do it. I, I I can't stay away from that sport. You played like three times in the last three days. So, yeah. yeah. So, okay. um, and then keeping it in the golf world, since golf is the big thing this week, uh, best golf movie. The greatest game ever played. All right, best single play from the tournament. I'm Obviously, the Sug shot is the most obvious, but I'm going to go with a play just before that, and I'll call it the Sug series. The recovery block from behind at the rim, where he came from the three-point line to block that shot on Riley, chase the loose ball in the corner, and then the half-court one-bounce dime to Timmy for a dunk. I started with, wow, that is a wow. That was, like, that's a, that is a baller right there. That, if he comes back to Gonzaga, look out. I just, I think he played his way into a top five pick in the draft, though. Uh, favorite bet for me, you know, I've not done a ton of it. I think now that sports gambling is legal in places other than Vegas, it's a little bit easier. Obviously, the ads are everywhere. Casinos up the wazoo. I think Fox Sports Detroit's now what Bally's Detroit. Yeah, if that tells you anything. But I, you know, I've done them all to an extent. I'm a kind of like a dollar here, five dollar here guy. Don't don't gamble much, don't win much, but that's okay. It's just kind of fun. Keep a skin in the game. Um, like I said, I've done them all, but give me the money line parlay all day. Um, I agree with Ryan playing with the spreads over unders. I started at one point last night, not caring about the, who won when I knew Baylor was going to win. And I was caring more that they got to the over cause I had a, a boost, a boost on the over. Um, uh, if you could play Augusta one, one time and then never play a round of golf again, I mean, I'm a little older than Ryan, so it would be pretty intriguing, but I say no way. No way. There's so many places that I still want to play golf, and hopefully we'll play golf with him in my lifetime. That uh, Ask me that again in 15 years. My, maybe my answer changes, but until I get a lot of other rounds in at special places, I say no way. Best golf movie ever. I mean, there's a lot of really good ones, but Ryan and I are lined on this. Greatest game ever played. I could watch it all day, every day, over and over and over again. It's kind of like Hoosiers for me. All right, Ryan, hit us with some final social media reminders. Yeah, just a reminder, follow us on Twitter at the Final Score 35 um, Once we get more followers, we'll start posting content, maybe some videos, some golf course reviews. Uh, of course, if we've never played, that'd be really cool to start getting into that. Um, keep giving us what you want to hear, who uh, you think would be a good guest for us. Uh, yeah, we just appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yeah, and while Ryan's doing that, I need to look up and see who won our contest, because if you're a podcast listener... Uh, you get a $25 gift card, and it was Waldorf Salad, Cool Zach 500. Ryan, do you know who that no is? No idea. So I don't, If you're a listener, come great, come forward, hit us up on Twitter, claim that. And I don't even know how to prove, prove if that's really you or not. Maybe you can tell us what your total points were, um, You know what your final score in the in the 
championship game was as your tiebreaker to kind of prove who you were. But if you can stand up and do that, it's 25 bucks from Amazon in your pocket. Otherwise, that is it for this week. Um, we're looking at probably Monday next week, a little bit depending on Ryan's schedule here over the next you know, last six weeks or so of school, of his college career. Um, even with hoops winding down, we still have the portal. You know, spring football's here. Obviously, we covered that a little bit. The NFL draft is around the corner. Golf season is officially on. Uh, Ryan and I have already played a few times. He beat me once and came back and from two down in the last hole yesterday to, to tie me. So we're off to a negative start. I've owned him for his whole life, and I need to keep it that way. So uh, plenty of rounds to play yet. We played a month month ahead of where we were last year, so I'm hoping we can get a good amount of rounds in. But anyway, um, we'll talk some baseball here, too, you know, here and there. Maybe some NBA, NHL playoff run-ups as well. Um, you know, not as versed in that. Definitely NFL draft as well. NFL draft for sure. That'll be a big thing. And there's obviously been a lot of stuff going on uh, trade-wise. So maybe we'll put that on the board for next week around the world. As Ryan said, share your ideas, your likes, your dislikes, etc. via our Twitter. Thank you again to Team Anders Realtors, our presenting sponsor. Learn more about how Team Anders can help you with your realty needs at teamanders.com. Meantime, remember, gambling is illegal at Bushwood, and I never slice.